Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Well, it's time for another Saratoga horse racing season, and there will be a huge difference this year. Unlike last year, when racing was held in front of an empty grandstand, the fans will be back when the track opens for the season on Thursday. This podcast will be focused on the opening of the track. Later on, I'll speak with Pat McKenna, Naira's Senior Director of Communications. First up is the Gazette's award-winning horse racing writer, Mike McAdam. And as usual, Mike will be here each week on the podcast to talk about Saratoga. Mike, welcome back, and I'll ask you the first question. How excited are you to be back at Saratoga, knowing that the fans will be back? Not at all, because uh, we really don't. No, I'm (laughs) totally kidding. Um, After last year, the bizarro world of last year, um, really looking forward to it because it's, you know, it's an atmosphere that you don't really get or see anywhere else, not around here. Um, You know, you've got tens of thousands of people. They're all into it. They're knowledgeable fans, um, very passionate about it. And some of them aren't. Uh, you know, some of them just are there to hang out in the backyard in the picnic area and have a couple beers and, and bet some races. But So you get the full spectrum. But, you know, when you remove that um, part of the atmosphere equation, as we did last year, it just was such a strange experience, and you just felt like you were missing something, really. Um, you know, just from a storytelling standpoint, you you lose, like, a lot of the... You know the background and the landscape and everything that you that you try to provide when you're you know painting the scene of what's going on in any given day. I mean that's just not there. And every day was the same. And everybody there was nobody there. And you just kind of walked in, did your job, and left. And there there wasn't just that extra component that um, really is unusual in racing in this whole country. I mean, Saratoga. You know, you see it on Derby Day and things like that at Churchill Downs, but. Um, at Saratoga, it's on a daily basis, and you know the people are just so into it. It's hard not to kind of get swept up in that contagious, um, you know, feeling of, um, you know, how cool the place is. Did that make your job tougher, you know, knowing that the fans weren't there? I mean, nah, I mean, not not really. Just different. Um, it's just like it was one tool left less out of your toolbox that you didn't have that you could kind of provide. You know, when you're trying to describe the scene and everything. So it didn't make it harder. If anything, it made it easier in a lot of ways, like just getting in and out of the places. <laughs> we were joking around with Todd Pletcher, the trainer, um, this morning. Um, he said, yeah, I got to get back. I got to hustle back into my routine. If, I, if I've got one in the first race, like I can't be, you know, last year he would just leave the barns at 11.30, 12 or whatever in, in the same jeans he was wearing all morning and just go straight over to the track and saddle his horse and go home. Now he's got to, you know, go home shower change put clothes on and he said you know i gotta get back into that routine or i'm gonna miss saddling the horse in the first race so um so there were like certain little benefits that kind of jokingly you make but you know in the grand scheme of things you really really want the people there and they're going to be there what's your third as you said thursday it opens up what do you think it's going to be i mean i I think it's I think it's going to closely resemble um, like a mini Travers Day kind of scenario, which uh, if anybody's been there, you know it's like a Black Friday. The, w- what the rules are here is that they open um, the gates at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they, they, they keep the track open from 7 to 10 so people can come in for free and watch 
workouts and they have a breakfast buffet, but, but the primary purpose of being there at 7 a.m. for a lot of people is to reserve their picnic table. And there's kind of this unspoken rule that if you, you know, bring in your $2 plastic tablecloth and you, and you stick it on the picnic table, that's yours for the rest of the day and nobody's going to mess with it. So there's kind of like this stampede on Traverse Day that is like a sight to behold and it's very reminiscent of, you know, Black Friday, you know, at Walmart or something like that. When as soon as they open the gates, and I'm expecting something very similar. Um, generally, on opening day, yeah, they'll get like in the twenty thousand, you know, low twenty is a pretty good number. No, I'm th I'm saying that's what oh, they so typically sure. get. I'm, yeah. The, yeah, you know, I have a little friendly wager with a friend of mine that it's going to be forty thousand, and if they don't hit it, it's still going to be a big number. It's going to big be bigger than what they usually get. So. Um, the weather actually Thursday, by some luck of the draw, is like the one nice day all week, so that'll contribute a little bit too. Um, people are just fired up for this, and you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of traditions that were canceled, or you know, there were streaks that were broken last year of like 50 straight years being there on opening day. And, and uh, granted, nobody was there, so it's not like you missed it because you were sick or something like that. Um, but a lot of people, like, like I keep saying, there's a lot of angry people out there that want revenge for 2020, and they're going to show up in force on, on opening day. And Friday, too, for that matter, people taking an early weekend, and then, you know, who knows how nuts Saturday's going to be when, you know, everybody's off of work. So it's going to be pretty hectic zoo-like uh, scene. I, I, that's my prediction. Do you think they could set an attendance record this year just because there was an attendance last year, the, the excitement of... Maybe the, the, the patrons will be appreciative of being able to go to the track again? Sure, why not? And I'm not even sure what the record is, but they had like a four-year stretch there where they had over a million, and in, in in the fourth year of that was 19. Um, so last year, obviously, they didn't hit it. Um, and 19, I know the number was down a little bit from 18, but that's misleading because they lost a Saturday card in 19. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm careful to always use the, use the term paid admission and I know this happens at major league stadiums too where people buy a ticket and they don't show up um, so I'm careful not to use the word attendance because there's a lot of things that where that number can be a little misleading um, just because like season ticket holders who who have all 40 days paid for and only show up for 20 of them you're still counting them but um, that can get a little nitpicky the, the you know the bottom line is they they hit that million number four years in a row. I know 18 was a little higher than 19. And uh, I mean, I don't, whatever the biggest number out of those four years was, I, I've, I'd be surprised if they didn't break it this year just because there's going to be blowback, you know, blowback from people not being able to be at the track last year. Yeah. You mentioned Todd Pletcher a little earlier here in the podcast. Uh, he's going into the National Racing Hall of Fame in August. Uh, his first year eligibility, really a slam dunk, no-brainer. Uh, what, what has... Uh, Todd meant to this game and the sport of horse racing? Well, nationally, he's done it all except, I guess, win the Preakness. I mean, he's won the Belmont three times. He's won the Derby twice. He's won the Eclipse Award seven times. Um, you know, ranks way up there in money, that's for sure, because he's, you know, heavy in his all-star stable is just heavy in the stakes caliber horses. Um, closer to home, and I, I neglected to look up the number, but he's got, I believe, the record for the most Saratoga um, 
training titles, and uh, he had like this ridiculous streak back in like the 90s, early 2000s, whatever it was. Um, so Saratoga is a huge part of his program. He has a lot of owners that want to win here um, with, with really good horses. Um, so whatever he's accomplished overall, Saratoga has been a huge part of that. But, you know, on a national scale, he, you know, you're not going to find anybody better than him or more accomplished right now. Um, you know, he's just he's just covered all the bases. He's won with two-year-olds. He's won with older horses. He's won with fillies. He's won with turf horses. You know, you can't really cubbyhole him in any one particular category. Um, a lot of what a lot of his success can be traced back to his mentor D. Wayne Lucas, who's long been in the Hall of Fame and kind of established a model back in the day of the huge like multi-division stables where you got a lot of horses in three or four different places and Wayne probably had them in five or six you know across the country and just pick your spots and and you know really gathering all-star stock at you know every one of your spots Todd currently has 190 horses in training between and they're stable at Belmont Saratoga and, and Monmouth Park um so he, he kind of followed the D-Wayne Lucas model and uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, recreated that to, to a certain degree. This is his first year of eligibility. I don't know. I didn't, haven't looked at the votes yet, but if anybody didn't vote for him, they're like an insane person that thinks, yeah, I'm going to write a column off of how I didn't vote first ballot for Todd Pletcher, which is just an idiotic thing to do and, and is self I don't know anybody's actually done that. that seems like a baseball thing that yeah. somebody does every once in a while when there's like a slam dunk person like this just to make some idiotic point um some of his horses and I've been fortunate to witness some of his good stuff like left bank setting a track record in the Whitney at Saratoga which was one of his first big horses when he was starting out as a head trainer uh, more than ready was he I asked him this morning um you know name us a couple a horse or two that put you on the map early when you first became a head trainer and more than ready was one that came to mind but to this day one of the greatest things greatest sporting events i've ever witnessed um you talk about a crowd getting into things was rags to riches beating um curlin outdueling curlin in the belmont stakes to become the first philly to win the belmont in like 100 years or whatever it was and just the nature of a philly um, winning that race, but also the way it happened that, you know, they, they were nose and nose all the way down the wire just to this day is going to be hard to top as one of the coolest things. And just for him to have the guts to put her in there, but she was just dominating the three-year-old Phillies that year, 2007 or whatever it was, um, that it was like, yeah, uh, you know, that was one thing he mentioned this morning was kind of interesting because at the time there were three very good three-year-old males curling, Hard spawn and Street Sense, who had won the Derby, and an opening occurred when Street Sense got beat in the Preakness, and then they decided not to run him in the Belmont. And when that happened, Todd was like, "You know what? I, maybe we can beat two of them. We can't beat three of them." And when Street Sense, that was kind of an interesting detail that I never had known um, in the, the background of why they decided to put Rags to Riches in there. Um, so the guy covers all the bases. Um, slam dunk hall of fame um you know it's a class person great to deal with from a media standpoint um and he's still doing he won the saratoga title last year so um he's still plugging along at, at his usual uh you know standard yeah 
Well, let's uh, highlight some of the few big races that are going to take place. Uh, the Whitney is going to be on August 7th. Uh, it's going to look like an interesting one. Uh, Nick's go, uh, Silver State, and Maxfield are pointing there. Yeah, and you know what? I, I've, I, when I kind of caught wind that those three were all pointing toward the window, uh, toward the Whitney, I've, I, my first thought was, you know what? We can get those three and four bums, and it's still going to be a really good Whitney. <laughs> um, Nick's go won the Pegasus World Cup back in January to kick off the year. He, and he, he's tailed off a little bit. He finished fourth to Silver State in the Met Mile, and then came back and won for fun in a you know a little stakes race, Cornhusker at Prairie Meadows, at, you know one of the smaller tracks in Iowa. Um, Maxfield's on got a little bit of a roll. He lost the first race of his career this year when he was third in the Santa Anita Handicap, um, but he came back to win the uh, Ali Sheba and the Stephen Foster at Churchill Downs, so he's back on track. And then Silver State is probably the most interesting one out of that group of three because he, he's really coming on I mean this time last year he was running an allowance company and he's he's won six straight and you know that streak started with you know at the allowance level and next thing you know um, he won the Met Mile and the Oakland Handicap um, so he's the one that appears to have still a lot of ceiling ahead of him and, and is on the rise so it's going to be fun to, to see those three duke it out um, and like I said if, you know, if they get a couple pack mules in there to yeah. round out the field I'd be okay with that because yeah. I just want to see what these three do against each other. And uh, essential, uh, essential quality the top three old male horse in the country right now arrived in Saratoga last week shooting for a you know, Jim Dandy Travers double and uh, for Eclipse Award winning trainer Brad Cox. Yeah, and uh, our pho uh, photographer Erica Miller, we should never neglect to mention yes. her and her hard work. does a work wonderful with, job. And is I beat her to the track. I will say I beat her to the track on Saturday. <laughs> I was there shortly after 5, and she rolled in about 5 or 10 minutes later. Um, she'll get me next time. But uh, we watched Essential Quality Breeze, his first breeze at Saratoga, really the first time he's done anything serious because he wasn't up here last year. Um, and he just kind of like went about his business. They weren't trying to get a lot out of him. He will work in company next time, next Saturday. All you know, this coming Saturday, all goes well, so that they can be a little more aggressive with him and start to sharpen him up for the Jim Dandy. Um, it was a little bit of question about the, whether they might skip the Jim Dandy and just kind of train up to the Travers. But Brad Cox, right after that work on Saturday, he said, "No, we're we're doing the Jim Dandy, so we're going to be there. I don't know who else is going to be there, but they're going to have their hands full against." The two-year-old champion male of 2020 who has done nothing wrong this year except finish fourth to Medina Spirit by a length, you know, where they had that kind of four-horse blanket finish in the Derby um, uh, and came back and won the Belmont um, in a very tough duel against Hot Rod Charlie. If we get that duel again in the, in the Travers eventually, that would be a sight. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on essential quality. He's the champ, and he's the current division leader after winning the Belmont. So um, it's kind of like everybody's chasing him right now. Speaking of Brad Cox, he's got another Travers hopeful, Mandaloon, who finished second in the Derby and would benefit with a by a disqualification of Medina Spirit if that thing ever happens. And I don't even want to like really start talking about the Derby DQ right now. Yeah, but, and I, I asked Brad Cox about that uh, on what's on Monday like do you even think about like the derby and the possibility that you guys might actually kind of like win it if anything ever happens he goes we, we got too much to <laughs> to do today to even think about that it's out of our control whatever happens happens but Mandaloon is not going to run at Saratoga 
unless he runs in the Travers. He, he's down at, in New Jersey. He's going to run in the Haskell. So he's got his two top three-year-olds that are separated right now and on different paths. But they could, we could see Mandaloon up here for the Travers too if he does well in the Haskell. Okay. Well, Mike, uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter as they uh, follow your coverage uh, during the meet? Um, my handle is at Mike underscore McAdam, M-A-C-A-D-A-M. You don't have to capitalize any of that. I appreciate it if you do it on my snail mail and stuff like that, but for Twitter purposes, you don't have to. Um, uh, I do want to, one, one horse I do want to mention is Malathot out of Todd Pletcher's barn. Um, uh, she's by far the three-year-old division, uh, Philly division leader, and she's supposed to run in the Coaching Club American Oaks coming up on the 24th of July. And she's she's another one. She's by far the leader of that division, and be interesting to see what she does um, undefeated. She just got through a very difficult um, duel against search results in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, so can't wait to see what she does, too. Yeah. Well, Mike, appreciate it. As always, you'll be here throughout the meet. Uh, we'll talk uh, and every, you know, we'll talk about what's going on. When you recap what happened and now uh, some preview, some of the big races coming up in the particular weekend. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Ken. Uh, that's Mike McGadam coming up. We'll continue our Saratoga preview with Pat McKenna, the senior director of communications for Naira. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast. Hey, Saratoga horse racing fans. Have a chance to win a $50 gift card by playing the Daily Gazette's Saratoga Pick 7. Here's what you do. Pick your horses to score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racetrack and win the $50 gift card. To play, go to pick7.dailygazette.com and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. The Saratoga Pick 7 contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Sign up for the Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter, which comes out Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, this is Matt Callahan, Vice President and General Manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schock. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we continue our look at the opening of Saratoga with the Senior Director of Communications for Naira, Pat McKenna. Pat, appreciate a few minutes coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, appreciate it again. Just how excited are you? How excited is Naira? You know, it feels like it's normal again. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Ken. I mean, what we're looking forward to, obviously, um, without a doubt, is the return of fans. You know, the, the energy, the enthusiasm that we are feeling, even here on track. I'm overlooking the track right now, and, um, you know, the final preparations are, are certainly underway, but I think. The entire thoroughbred horse racing world, so much of the sports world, is looking forward to first post on Thursday, and they're off at Saratoga. So, you know, everyone up here recognizes this is a 40 day celebration of everything that is um, so fantastic about communing, spending time with friends and family at an iconic venue like Saratoga Racecourse. It's truly, in, in the, you know, the 
I'm looking over the backyard and, you know, I, I can think of growing up as a kid, spending time here with family and friends. You know, it really does mark the passage of time. So to be without that for all of 2020 um, was something that, you know, we hope to obviously never have to repeat and that we're now at a point here with the, you know, the, the vaccination status across New York that we can open at full capacity with no restrictions um, is a huge accomplishment for New York. And we're thrilled to see tens of thousands of racing's best fans right back here on track come Thursday. Yeah, what do you think it's going to be like? I mean, we, we know every year the, the fans line up for the gate at the gates there that opening day. I mean, what, what do you think it's going to be like? Is it going to be even more special when you see those fans uh, coming through on Thursday? Absolutely. And we, we've been, you know, we're, we're in a unique spot because we essentially never stopped racing. I mean, there was a, a 40 or 50 day gap there, but in the context of what other professional sports went through, it's a very small period of time. You know, we started right back up at Belmont Park on June 3rd of, of 2020, raced for, you know, nearly an entire year without fans. We were lucky enough to be able to welcome fans back to Belmont couple weeks before the Belmont Stakes and then ultimately about 11,000 people for the Belmont Stakes but you know we were all we all experienced 40 days of an empty Saratoga race course it almost goes without saying how unbelievably strange and sad that was especially here at Saratoga where the fans are the lifeblood of this facility we love to talk about the history and traditions of Saratoga this venue that has stood proudly here since 1864 but these places are nothing without the fans that, that make them, that make the electricity. Um, you know, and I think you've seen that across professional sports, even tuning in on television without the benefit of fans and seats felt very, very different. So I think it'll be a reunion like this, this historic facility has never seen. And we hope to carry that momentum through for the entire 40 day run. It's going to be, you know, it, it'll be, Excellent, excellent thoroughbred racing. And I, I think that what people are yearning for right now is a return to what is familiar. And this will feel like a very familiar piece of, um, of, of Saratoga. So, again, you know, I can't say it enough. We're incredibly excited. Uh, we're eager to see what, what Thursday will look like we're offering free general admission for any patron that is fully vaccinated with a cdc vaccination card or the new york state excelsior pass to demonstrate that vaccination status that's certainly a new thing but we're proud to do it and we're proud to support the vaccination effort that has paved the way for a fully open saratoga race course in 2021 how will you deal with something? I mean, there's probably that fan out there has yet to get the vaccination. How will you? How will you guys deal with that? Sure, we're following CDC and New York State guidance, which means that we are requiring fans who are not vaccinated to wear masks to protect their their friends and neighbors. Um, so there, there's a very very small number of folks who, for whatever reason, may not medically be able to get vaccinated. Um, so we're asking folks to wear a mask. Is there an enforcement mechanism? Not necessarily. I think you hear the governor say just that. At this point, this is on the individual to make the responsible decision. If he or she has chosen not to be vaccinated, then to wear a mask. But beyond that, there are no restrictions in place. There are no social distancing guidelines in effect come Thursday. And it's a huge accomplishment. I think we've all been through 
an incredible ordeal, some much more so than others, and that's why we're offering free admission to um, to first responders and healthcare workers on Friday and have planned a day to to do our part to honor their sacrifice over the last now, you know, nearly 18 months. Um, so I, I think that this can be a place where, um, where we all can, can come together. And, um, it, it means, it means a great deal, especially here where the name of the game is spending time with family, with friends, enjoying fantastic racing, but also being able to be outside and enjoy a really, really beautiful, uh, really beautiful place that is Sarasota Racecourse. Yeah, looking back at last year, was there any thought given to not running the Saratoga meet last year? That was a, yeah, that was a very difficult decision because if you turn back the clock, we had been open and operational at Belmont Park for you know five six weeks at the point at which we would we would have needed to come to Saratoga. So there were absolutely mixed feelings among the among the racing community among uh trainers owners you know and and you can you can understand why and we understood those feelings at the time which were essentially we know how to do this at belmont we understand what it is to operate with these strict covid guidelines in place why upset the apple cart when ultimately you're still going to a facility that won't be able to to be open to live fans. Our calculation and our priority, first and foremost, is to um, this, you know, upstate New York, the capital region, Saratoga Springs. We felt like even if we weren't able to host fans, it was still an important um, important thing symbolically to come here because in our estimation, Saratoga, Sar- the annual Saratoga meet is just that. It's annual. It's not optional. Um, and beyond that, that was a period of time when, Owners and trainers, just like small business people everywhere, were really suffering through the brunt of an economic crisis. The best way for us to be able to support the entire thoroughbred industry is to come to Saratoga, where we knew that the racing would be elite and that the gambling and that the handle would reflect that because we're able to pay purses by virtue of... um, the wagering handle that we receive. And that turned out to be the case, even in the absence of fans, uh, you know, betters, betters wagered more than $700 million last year, uh, betting from afar, betting on their phones. It's a new, you know, it's a new way to, to do it. Not as new in thoroughbred racing, but we were confident that it was the right choice. It turned out to be the right choice. And to the extent that we were able to still have a positive economic impact here around town, throughout the capital region, um, we were still able to hire at, at a lower level. So all of those things, to our way of thinking, made it absolutely vital to come to Saratoga last year. And we're thrilled to be back. It's the highlight of the racing season. I, I can't, you know, it, it's, we have heard for weeks and months. And it's now that, that all of that energy and enthusiasm is, is reflected in the sales we're seeing in the overall atmosphere here in Saratoga. So um, it's a big moment, and I, I, I don't want to discount that because we have been through, as I said, a great um, – we've been through a lot collectively here in New York, um, across the country, and I think this can be a celebration of turning the page once and for all and um, starting a new day. Yeah, especially had to be tough last year when you had a local horse in Tis Law, you know, winning the Travers and, you know, going on – 
uh, winning the Belmont Stakes. I mean, just think of all the uh, the fans that would have been able to enjoy watching Tis Law. Oh, I know. I remember, like it was yesterday, standing on the apron thinking, man, oh man, New York Red winning the Travers in convincing fashion, putting away his opponents, leaving absolutely no doubt who was the best who was the best horse on the track that day. It was disappointing. It was bittersweet. And we're looking forward to some really interesting storylines this year. Essential quality likely to race twice. The Jim Dandy, the traditional Travers prep, and then into the Travers. Hopefully be able to, um, you know, to, to rehash that rivalry with, with Hot Rod Charlie. That Belmont Stakes was really one for the ages. It kind of gets lost a little bit in the shuffle because of everything returning to normal and a smaller Belmont Stakes and the, the distraction of Bob Afford and the rest of it. But that Belmont, I would encourage your listeners to go back and, and give it another watch because to see two horses throwing down like that, um, you know, in a stretch duel truly for the ages, you know, it, it sets us up really well for what should be an exciting crop of three-year-olds up here this summer. Yeah, you mentioned Bob Baffert, uh, judge uh, in New York on Monday, was questioning the treatment of the suspended trainer. What can you say, uh, is there any comment that Naira has about the Baffert situation? Sure, yeah. Um, just to, to clarify a little bit, the judge uh, yesterday in the Eastern District in federal court, uh, judge Carol Amon heard oral arguments from both the New York Racing Association and from Bob Afford. Lawyers for each side presented oral arguments to her. Um, she will then consider those arguments as well as the various materials that have been submitted and will then make a ruling on the temporary injunction. So Bob Afford is seeking to end the, uh, the temporary suspension that Naira announced and imposed on May 17th through the courts. Um, by seeking a temporary injunction that, if granted, would lift that suspension and very likely allow um, allow Mr. Baffert to resume racing, training, and stabling at the three Naira racetracks. So um, that's where we are. I wouldn't want to say too much about ongoing litigation, and it truly is ongoing as the judge is making these considerations and determinations as we speak. So we'll have some clarity on that um, in short order. But, you know, we're, we're focused on what we can control, and that is delivering an outstanding product, high, uh, you know, excellent customer service that will, um, that will bode well for the rest of the summer. You know, we've made some significant new investments here. We have a new area at the top of the grandstand called the Spa Verandas, which is great for groups of 30, 35, maybe 40. It's kind of a need that we had uh, that for those numbers of um, – kind of mid-sized groups, I guess I would say. On the other end, we have a new area called the Toasts of the Turn, which is a tailgate area, something new that we haven't tried. It kind of came out of a little bit out of COVID, but still is relevant. There are some other race meets, especially on the, uh, the um, in Far Hills down in New Jersey, where just like a, a think college football tailgate. So folks will drive in, have a spot, be able to tailgate, um, set up a picnic table and back with some dedicated wagering windows, restrooms, some hospitality out there. So that's great. Then we expanded the stretch, which is another area of the grandstand. And all of these improvements, we hope, and our goal is always to balance, to prioritize the history and traditions of Saratoga Racecourse, while also delivering a world-class experience for guests who, who, have, who come to demand that in this day and age. So proud of those new improvements. I think they'll serve our, 
our fans and guests really well. And we also completely renovated the Oklahoma training track, which is truly an investment into the, the future of Saratoga Racecourse. Because believe it or not, this is this is a home for a lot of really excellent, um, talented racehorses, not just in July and August, but from April through the end of October. So by investing in that training facility, we're investing in the continued excellence of this meet. And what are some of the uh, giveaways that are going to be highlighted this uh, summer? Yep, just two giveaways. I don't have the dates off the top of my head, believe it or not. But um, it's a, the, a fleece sweatshirt and a cooler. And not to lift the curtain too much into the giveaway process, but you can imagine we only found out that we would be open at full capacity, I don't know, when it was six weeks or so ago. Ordinarily, we're placing those giveaway orders in the early part of the fall. Um, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of items. Yeah. So it was interesting for me to learn a little bit more about that. Um, the global supply chain, believe it or not, doesn't just impact the things you may hear about, but also things like the Saratoga giveaways. So luckily, we're able to get two of those done. Um, it is a Saratoga sweatshirt and a Saratoga cooler bag. So those will be really popular items, I'm sure. Well, Pat, I appreciate a few minutes talking horse racing with you and uh, have some fun up there. I'll try to get up there and, uh, you know, if I get to it up there, I'll stop in and say hello. Absolutely. Please do. It should be fun and looking forward to Thursday at about 1 o'clock. Sounds good. Thanks, Pat. All right. Thanks. That's Pat McKenna. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and announce the latest winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Sign up for the Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter, which comes out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 20 winner in the Daily Gazette auto racing contest is Paul Walker of Glenville. Paul wins a $50 grocery gift card. Congratulations, Paul. The VIP winner was Anthony Manning of Colonial Car Wash. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the link for contests and promotions. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. 
That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Mike McAdam and Pat McKenna for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.